Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday morning messages are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, enjoy the message. I want to mention something <clears throat> right off the bat here. Of course, we know our community has is, endured is a, a recent shock, and uh, we've had several men from our community over the last real last couple of weeks. A couple of weeks ago, Jack Hines uh, passed away as a result of an accident down in Texas, and uh, they, they lived here in uh, five beautiful daughters, and uh, so that's been a real struggle and a, and a battle as we've been ministering to the family there, Shelby and the girls. And then, of course, you just heard a few days ago that uh, George Cecil and uh, uh, Ryan, forgot Ryan's last name real quick, Barrett, thank you, Ryan Barrett were killed down in Florida as a result of working with uh, over the Michael issues there, and uh, so it's been a very, very tough time for our community, and as we're mourning, uh, George Cecil, some of you remember George and Janice, they, and of course Georgie, their son, was part of, part of our church for many, many years and doing many different things, and George, matter of fact, played drums for us in our worship team, but uh, he was killed in an accident down there in Florida, and so uh, we went and visited with Janice and the family, they live in Coleraine, uh, North Carolina, so it's a tough time, real tough time. But as we're going to talk about here today, there's always hope in the midst of these types of things, especially for believers, because we know that death is not the end. But for us here, we're trying to sort through that. And, and it's uh, really a good thing that even among us, um, Leslie Harder has actually just finished a book on joy in the morning. And, and Leslie's story is very powerful. She lost uh, some family members, lost a son, and... Um, and it's been a very difficult time uh, for her, but she wrote a book, a very substantial, very powerful memoir of how she has endured and walked through uh, grief. And so, uh, again, she just published this, so the timing of this is amazing. So we have this as a resource that comes right here from among us, one who has suffered and has walked through these things. And uh, so it's available to you. You can get it at, uh, at Amazon, but also we have some copies in there. But I just wanted to let you know it was always in my heart to uh, let you know what Leslie had so faithfully had worked on and really the fruit of her suffering. And, uh, but the, again, it's, it's a resource that we have right now for those who might be continuing to walk through, whether it be these events or other loss in your own life that you've experienced. There is joy in the morning. There is grace to be had, and God offers it. Amen? Why don't we take a moment to pray, and then we'll make our our switch here. Lord, we do just pray for these families right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we, we don't understand, but we do know that life and death is in your hand. And Lord, when you call us, we go. And Lord, I thank you that these men knew you, know you, are with you. But Lord, we do pray for those that have been left behind, God, for grace and mercy and comfort right now in Jesus' name. Lord, for those that were well-known in our community, we just pray for all those, those families affected. Lord, the, the church members there at Calvary, Lord, just your grace to settle upon them today in Jesus' name. Lord, it's a very difficult thing, but Lord, we know that you're able, God, to minister to us and bring that peace in Jesus' name. Lord, bless this message today. Lord, may our hearts be open to hear what you're speaking to us. Amen. All right, well, we are in this series. 
And I'm actually getting, I've turned the corner and we're gonna, we've got a couple more installments today, part seven in this series. And next week, I'm gonna wrap it all up. But we've been talking about how God wants to bless us. And how do we position ourselves to get blessed? And I think that's very important because God does want to bless us. But a lot of times, you know, the scripture talks about us forfeiting the grace that could be ours. In other words, we're not listening and we're not positioned. We're not in a place to receive it. But God wants us to desperately have it. Nowhere do you see that more clearly than in the promise we get in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 through 14, the verses that we have been uh, uh, drawing from to, to encourage us, to prepare us for what God wants for us. So today we're going to talk about the temple of the Holy Spirit. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We learned as we've been studying this, that this, there is a bit of a condition on this promise. And the promise is that, again, we position ourselves by seeking him. He has done everything to move toward us. He, has, he is pursuing us. He has sent his own be, only begotten son to, to save us and to position us so to receive all this hope in the future. But it is key for us to seek him with all of our heart. And that's the position. That's the steps. So we learned about that last week. We said, look, the only really requirement for a Christian is just to say, you are my Savior, you are my Lord, here I am, to present ourselves to our Savior and also to recognize that he is Lord. So you can go back and check that out. Don't want to re-preach that, that message as we talked about the soul. Um, so very, very important that we understand that God wants to bless us in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. Paul knew that. He prayed it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. He said, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've talked about the spirit and how God wants to bless and, and he resurrects our spirit from the dead. And that's how we become illumined to the truth. We become alive and awakened, aware of the presence of God. But then we have to take a next step, and that is begin to learn about God in our soul. And that's our mind, our will, and our emotions. That when we use our mind to fill up our, our, our head with truth, we get the word of God, we get, fill our head with the promises of God, then we begin to draw on those and make decisions based on those. So our volition, our will, is affected by the truth that we know. Our, our spirit's alive. Now we have data, we have truth. We make decisions which affect what? Our emotions. So we learned last week that our emotions hinge so much upon the decisions that we make. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And where it gets a little more complicated is when we have disassociated emotions. In other words, we're having emotions. We're not sure why we're having them. Why am I sad? Why am I depressed? Why am I angry? Why am I fearful? Well, we, did, we took a whole weekend to talk about that. And uh, so grateful that, that, that God really met with us. And, and uh, if you want to hear more about that, you can, you can uh, access uh, those notes and th that information. But what we learned is that God wants to set us free. And once we were able to see that we were believing lies, that our truth system, in other words, there were things inside us that were disagree, things that we believed that were contrary to the word of God. We were arguing with God on the inside. So here we got this battle in our mind. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. 
But what we have to do is surrender and say yes to God. And, and that's what confession means. Confessing is saying, I stand with you, God. I believe what you believe, God. I believe what you say about this particular thing. I agree with you. I come into agreement with you to really tear down that stronghold, that deception. That is affecting our emotions. So sadness can be traced back. So we talked about reverse engineering. Why are we sad? Why are we mad? Why are we glad? What is it that's causing that? Most assuredly, it is being caused by something. And that's important for us to know that. So we're learning that about how God has made us to be. And, and it's, it's complex, but yet at the same time, it's not. Especially when we learn how God has made us so that we can even say to ourselves, okay, David, why are you depressed right now? David said that. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. And so that is good. That's being a, self-awareness. That's being aware of what's going on so that you can continue to walk in that peace. So that's the beautiful thing. When we give our life to Christ, our spirit is saved, raised, raised from the dead, and now we're alive. Then our soul becomes impacted. Then our emotions get filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love that part. Because there are times when I can't tell my soul to be happy in God. But God lifts me above my circumstances. How can I be joyful in the morning? How can I be joyful when I look at my circumstances and I'm not sure how things are going to change? But that is the fruit of the Spirit. He comes and brings us love and joy and peace and faithfulness and gentleness and kindness and long-suffering. He does it. He puts it in us and rises us above. When we're filled with the Spirit, all boats float. He raises us above our circumstances, and it's an awesome thing. So after yielding ourselves to God, last week I talked about something that was a little uncomfortable, talked about slavery. And Paul uses this analogy, and he says, you once, without Christ, you were a slave to sin. Slave to it. Without Christ, human beings are a slave to sin. They cannot do what they ought to do. They do what they want, free in their own mind. But God says, no, you're not really free. Mm -mm. Slaves to sin. But the moment we give our life to Christ, he says, we are set free. But he says, let me help you understand what you're really doing is now you're re-enslaving yourself to the Savior. Uh-oh. Every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. What is that? But a surrendering. Lord, I used to be a slave to that, but now I enslave myself to you. That's a little scary, isn't it? That's the exact analogy that Paul used. But here's the great news because I kind of left you hanging last week to say, wow, i got to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and not just Savior, because most Christians want, want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. But it is through Lordship that the next step of blessing comes. Check this out. Romans eight fifteen. The spirit you received does not make you slaves. Even though you're enslaving yourself to, to the Lord, as Paul encouraged us to do, so that you live in fear again, because that's what, that's what have, not having God will eventually lead you to is fear, especially as you get close to the end of your life. Rather, the spirit you received brought <clears throat> about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So that's cool. As we have surrendered to, this, to the Lord, he says, I am not going to make you a slave, but I'm going to make you a, a child. I'm going to make you my daughter, my son. And, and, and Jesus gave us the prodigal son story that is so awesome. It's all there. So here is the son who cuts himself off from the father, demands his inheritance, goes off and, and wades 
you know, neck deep into sin and nastiness and spends all of his money, his, his fortune on foolishness. And then he says, you know, at least I can go back to my father and he'll treat me like one of the slaves. I know at least he'll do that. So there we go, slavery. But when he gets there, what does the father do? He celebrates him. Oh, my son was lost. Now he is found. You will never stop. This is a double negative, I know. You'll never stop being my son. You'll never stop being my daughter. But notice what it took for him to get there. He had to surrender. He had to go back and face the reality of what he had done, what he had flushed down the toilet, what he had, uh, you know, kicked to the curb. But God said that he was going, and, and, and Jesus said, this is how my father is. He's going to receive you with open arms, and not just that, but to celebrate you. Kill the fatted calf, put the new ring, the ring on his uh, finger, the, the robe of right, you know, the robe back on him, essentially to restore his sonship. That's what we got going on here, folks. When we submit to the Lord of our lives, there's discomfort. Uh, where, where's this going to go? I mean, who am I surrendering to? What, what am I giving up? God says, you're gaining everything. But it comes through that door of submission and surrender. Last week, I ended with that. Who better to surrender to than the one who died for you, who gave his life? What does it say? Greater love has no man than he laid down his life for his friends. He loves us. Anybody who loves us is not going to mistreat us. Anybody who loves us is not going to lead us into anything bad. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a little bit discomforting. I mean, a little discomfort, in other words, having to face some of the, the bad choices we've made and some of the wrong thinking we have and in some of those things. But, oh, God is up to the challenge of all that. And he'll help us. So since we are a tripart being, spirit, soul, and body, we want to understand just how God designed us and how we can be blessed as Paul prayed. So how does the body fit into all of this? Thanks for asking. That's what we're going to talk about today. The spirit is brought to life through salvation. So Jesus died on the cross. The Bible makes it very clear in the early parts up through Romans chapter three that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Jesus dies and he raises us from the dead in our spirit. So now that we are aware of God, we can hear his voice. We're brought to ground zero. In other words, the possibility, the beginning of a relationship, God, it's begun. New birth. And what does a baby have to do? Has to learn, has to engage, has to grow and mature. And that's what Jesus said. You have to be born again. And so, boom, born again through our spirit. Then our soul is restored. So as we grow and mature, we put information in that we fill our mind with the word of God. Already, already talked about that. That's important. And then as a result, we are restored because we've got a sinful nature that is broken and it's, you're born with it, man. You're hardwired to rebel against God. We are all hardwired to say, God says left, we go right. We think this, we think that. Paul identified that in Romans chapter 7. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says, thank God for Jesus. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in him. Amazing. So he restores us. And now the body is blessed in two ways. And we're going to talk about that today. Wholeness. And I believe, I, I thoroughly believe this, that God wants to bless our body here. Now you say, gosh, Pastor David, where are you going with that? Well, I mean, it's pretty clear in Scripture, 
especially with what Jesus did. In other words, the priority of the kingdom should be extracted from what we saw Jesus doing, right? Because Jesus led through mentoring. He did it, they watched, then he asked them to go and do it. So what did Jesus do? John the Baptist was going, wait a minute, I'm confused. I thought we were gonna march on Rome and, and bring a new kingdom here on earth and we were gonna try to stir some things up here. What's going on? And Jesus says to John, you go back and you tell him the dead are raised, the blind are seeing, the demon-possessed are free, bodies are healed, deaf, dumb. He said, tell him this is what's going on. The kingdom of God is here. So what do we, what, what do we extract from that? Is that God cares about our bodies. I mean, wouldn't it have been a very disheartening thing that Jesus would come and preach the kingdom and, and these poor people are suffering? Matter of fact, he took it so far as to say, look, they're starving. Let's feed them. And he did it at least twice. Where he took the bread and the loaves and the fishes and fed. God cares about our practical needs. God cares about the health of our body. It's important when we think of ourselves, we think of ourselves holistically. Okay, that's, see, see, I think sometimes, as I shared at the very beginning of this service, or, or this uh, series, that when we ignore one aspect, or we put a lot of priority on only one aspect of who we are, we do so to the detriment of the other two parts of who we are. So in other words, if we only think about our physical well-being, then we will typically forget about our spirit and our soul. And boy, do I see that a lot. Oh, man, you might be good looking. You've taken care of that body, and man, you're looking sharp. You're looking beautiful. You're looking all that, but man, you're a mess on the inside. Mess, completely lost. But then, on the other hand, you can have those who are incredibly spiritual people. They know the body. I mean, I mean, they, I mean they know the word of God, but yet, they don't do so good with the physical thing. We'll talk about that. So, we got to understand we're a balance. And that I have learned, and, and, and I shared at the beginning, there's so many things I'm trying to realize I preached earlier or taught earlier that I got to inject here so in case you missed out on it. But the whole, I have learned after 55 years of living that it really does come down to balance, okay? That we can, you know, over periods of time, and, and it's about recognizing that we are spirit, soul, and body, and then each one needs to remain healthy for me to be able to walk in a balanced life that attracts the favor and hope and future that God is looking for. I've I, I really learned that, maybe the hard way. But I think if we really dig into this thing, then the hope and future will be on full blast, and you'll start to see it come. So can't re-preach all that I've done. You need to go back. If you missed this, when I'm talking about the spirit, you'll understand that. And talking about the soul the last couple of weeks, you'll, you'll, you'll see that. But today, God wants to bring wholeness to our body through grace, wisdom, and truth. Okay? So this is what I mean by that. You know, I used to, I love reading the book of Proverbs. I've, let it, I've read it for many, many years, and, and I used to teach it to my children all the time. And because I, that's what it was designed for. I mean, the whole, the whole book begins with... Solomon is sitting down with his sons and teaching them moral uprightness. So I've done that. I love to do it. I love the book of uh, 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 Proverbs. And, but one of the things that I, I thought as a young pastor and as a young man is that really just knowing all these wonderful truths in Proverbs were somewhat magical. In other words, just knowing them would make me wiser. You see what I'm saying? 
that just knowing these biblical truths, these wise things, like a fool gives full vent to his anger. Well, I know it. But I learned later, wow, you know what? That's not the whole piece here. To extract all that the book of Proverbs has, you have to do what? Apply it. You have to apply it. Most of what is in the book of Proverbs is wisdom that doesn't really kick in until you start doing it. Until you start, you know, watching your walk, watching your talk, watching your gawk right there in Proverbs 4. Where are you walking in your life? What are you talking about with your mouth? And what are you looking at with your eyes? So just knowing that truth doesn't make me automatically a good person. No, no, I got to walk it out. And so when it comes to the wholeness of this body, you know, God gives us a lot of wonderful grace, and that's God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. God gives us wonderful wisdom. In other other words, there are certain things that we can learn, places to avoid, places that we should go, and so forth, and then truth that we can learn. And then the other part of where God wants to bless our body is the immortality of eternity. Now, that is especially poignant and, and rich right now when we think of some of our loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord. Because you got to remember, this whole thing we're on, when we forget, if we only focus on the body and forget about our soul and our spirit, and especially the, the, the eternal aspect of who we are, we're going to live forever ever in one place or the other. That is very important for us to understand and know. And that Jesus had some wonderful promises that way. I remind my kids all the time, you know Jesus only lived to the age of 33. In other words, he didn't live a full, he didn't go to 95, 100, 120 years old. No, man, he went on to heaven at 33. And of course, that's where he is now. But his body was resurrected from the dead. And he says, you're going to follow me. This is going to happen to you. And that's cool. So God wants, so here's the thing I want to present right now is that, you know, it, you, Paul battled this idea that spirit was good and physical body was bad. So all things uh, carnal and flesh were all bad, but all things spirit was pure. And he fought that because that's not biblical. Your body, my body, your body are blessing to God. They're a gift to you. They're awesome gifts. They're not to be mistreated. They're not to be cursed. We're not to look into the mirror and say, man, you're ugly. Why did God make you that way? We read in Psalm 139 where God says something very powerful, and and David speaks this prophetically. He says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I know that full well. Of course, that's a, that's a whole counseling truth right there. When we're able to embrace the truth of what God has, has made us to be, then we can really be happy. But so many people in this world, we constantly are fighting, you know, that we're dissatisfied with this tent that we've been given. We're dissatisfied with this body. And so we do all kinds of awkward things to kind of, you know, stretch it, inject it, work it, to try to make it all that we want it to be. Now, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing, all right? Remind me to tell you a story sometime. <laughs> anyway. But God says this body's a good thing. It's not evil. But, and we're supposed to do what? We're supposed to take care of it. And so let's get into that. 
Number one in your notes here, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? I mean, you know that here, but do you know, is it played out in your life? Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. There is no more buildings where God dwells by his presence anymore. There's, it's not in Jerusalem. It's not in any, on any mountain. It's not in any special building. I mean, obviously, we believe that. We're meeting in an old bar, you know? This is a sheep shed, baby. This is a place where we just come and we worship Jesus here. There's nothing special about this building or the lights or the stage or anything. It's just, we just want to do something that makes it easy for us and all these temples that come together to be able to really freely worship God, to enjoy the experience. So the, the, the church has bitten into some real lies. It's not biblical to think that, 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 that it's all about buildings. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, says it right here in the Bible. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 6. Who, who is in you, whom you have received from God, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What he's saying is we should not think of our bodies as just being something to use and abuse and, and that we're just spirits and souls. No, no, we're, we're, we're the whole package. And that we're supposed to treat this body with, with the utmost care because it is where God lives and dwells as a spirit. Now, this verse is coming from a, a very strong kind of uncomfortable context. And I'll tell you what it is. It's sexual immorality. He's saying, look, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, so don't join yourselves to temple prostitutes. Don't get involved in sexually immoral situations because he goes on to say something. He goes, don't you realize your body becomes one with another person? And of course, this is, this is a huge teaching that I can't get into this morning, but sexuality, it's being diminished. It's being uh, thought of as just an act. Nothing could be further than the truth. Sexuality is an actual spiritual event. I mean, the act of sex. That's biblical. And Paul said, you join yourself, and then there's a soul joining that takes place there that's very, very powerful, by design, by the way, to bring a husband and wife together to be able to then come together in spirit, in soul, and body. Amazing, isn't it? That's why they call it marriage, oneness. This is all biblical. But he, so that's the context of Paul saying, look, you need to be very careful what you do with your body and what you join with it and what you put into it so here I ask you, the context of the verse is regarding immorality, but without a doubt, it's not just limited to that. So he is appealing to us to take care of this body when it comes to that particular struggle. But man, look, it, it doesn't stop there. We should be very careful to take care of our bodies in any and all situations. So in other words, to use wisdom to care for this thing. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We, we should take further steps to, 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 to honor God with our body. So that's what he's saying here. So is it a sin to allow our body to be exposed to harmful things willfully? I have to answer that. Yes, it is. Now, is anybody going to get stoned for it? Is there going to be any public humiliation? No, 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 no. I'm going to share some things with you which are very just personal and, and down to earth. But yes, we, we do open ourselves up. We know that, that there are other sins in the scripture that do affect our body. You can figure it out. But the goal is freedom and liberty in our spirit, in our soul, and also in our body. In other words, to not, I mean, here's one that, here's an example that's very clear. 
to not allow ourselves to be addicted to anything, right? To not take some kind of a chemical substance and use it to the point where it begins to affect my volition, my will, so that now it is bypassing. There is now a chemical thing that is causing me to not draw upon the wisdom or the truth, but now that has been diverted. It has been um, messed up. And so he's saying, look, you need to watch that. And he goes on, and what I call it is the, the Paul test. He says, I will be, not be mastered by anything. That is a great way to just think of your life. You will not be mastered by anything. Nothing will own you. Nothing, the only other indebtedness, the only kind of addiction you should have is an addicted addiction to the love of the Father. That's it. And Paul's saying, I'm not going to let anything else master me. So, now, this is a much bigger teaching, and I'll just shoot in here real quick. He says, all things are, are okay for Christians, but not everything that you do is beneficial. We have been given a tremendous amount of liberty, okay? And if you go, and if you take that liberty away, it gets into what is called legalism. And that's when we're letting, you know, spiritual truths begin to dictate and, and rob us of the, the, of the joy and the life that he's given us here. But, not everything that we have the freedom to do is necessarily good for us. And so that, what does that come back to? A personal choice, doesn't it? And it's not my place to get up here and say, okay, look, as a member of Valley Community Church, these are the only allowable things for you to do. This is the perspective of freedoms you should have. That's not my job. I'm not the Holy Spirit. That's his job. And by asking this question, though, this is the litmus test. I will not be mastered by anything. I know that everything is allowable, but not everything is beneficial. Not everything is going to be good for me. Now, one size doesn't fit all. So some people might have a little bit of liberty in one area, but another person can't do it at all because it'll enslave them. So one size doesn't fit all, which is what makes it so more, much more important for you to, to, to constantly know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit and that you're bringing that to him and just saying, okay, Lord, what in my life am I letting a little, you know, a little out of control? And, and we can be addicted to anything. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy what we can be addicted to. Remember, one time a lady came to me many, many years ago, and she goes, you know, I'm having trouble with my, uh, my marriage. My husband, he's just always out in the garage working on models. Models? How bad could that be? You know, I've played around with models before, and, but I, I know it can be time-consuming, and I'm like, so they had a party one day, and I just prayed it through, but the whole time in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, she's a little off, you know. She's misjudging this thing. Went over there, went through the garage. Dear God in heaven, every square inch of that garage was a model, baby hanging from the roof, hanging on the walls, every square foot, boxes up there. And I was like, yeah, he's, he's a mess. He's head up. He's head up. So every one of those models represented time that was not being given to his wife. So I, I got it, understood it. Yeah, man. <laughs> this thing can get ugly in so many creative ways. But God can help us with the Paul test. Lord, don't let me be mastered by anything. And if we are mastered, it's robbing our life. It's stealing from the potential of our spirit, soul, and body, and, and essentially to be ready to be used by God. And that's, that's one of the things. We've got to watch that. 
So does sin affect our body? Yes, it does. But forgiveness is a cure. Isn't that cool? We've got a prescription. We know that sin is death. Galatians tells us that. Sin, as it begins to move, we learned about that in the Freedom Weekend. Once sin is, is turned loose in us, it will eventually bring spiritual death. It will bring uh, soul death, confusion, and depression, and that's, that's what that is. And even can bring physical death. Paul said that. He said, that's why so many are falling asleep among you. Now, that's one of those teachings that I don't touch with a you know, 10-foot pole, but still, there it is. And so... Yes, we need to understand that, that sin can do that when it's unrepented and uncovered and not put under the blood. So we got a, a beautiful prescription for sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness, to literally go after the toxins created by an unclean conscience. I love that. Don't you love that? Isn't that cool? You can say amen. Okay, good. You guys are a little heavy this morning? It's all right. I told more jokes in the first service. I don't know why. But forgiveness is the, the cure. The effect of a sinful life can be very harmful. Fear, anxiety, depression, and anger. It can all cause what? Disease. We know that now. We know that scientifically. You know, I didn't share this in the first service. Bonus material for you. I got half a colon. Half a colon. It's cut off somewhere in here. And when I got with a surgeon, and I was only 19 years old when it happened, by the way, and... Surgeon walked in, he said, you know, his big ten, six foot ten tall surgeon. He used to play for uh, North Carolina, Rusty something. Huge guy. And he walked in, I'm like, hey. And he goes, hey, I got some great news. We get to, we're going to take out half your colon. I'm like, not good news, dude. He said, but I can fix you. So I talked to my GI doctor, and he, you know, gastrointestinal guy, and he says, you must have had a lot of stress growing up. And I was like, I did. Grew up in a lot of trauma, a lot of stuff. That's what it can do. Sin, we know now. Fear, we know now. Anxiety, the number one killer of man is not any disease you can mention. It's another word called stress. Stress causes disease. Doesn't it make sense? The peace of God that passes understanding, it is the most wonderful free prescription to any human being that would reach out to get it. That's pretty cool right there. To go right after, inject Peace of God right in the middle of that stress and gone. And then begin to shut down the toxins that are released into our body to cause disease, to cause the breakdown of the body. It's amazing. So confession and repentance is the cure. Should we be more diligent in keeping this temple up to speed? Absolutely. So we can be diligent in, in, in keeping short accounts of our soul. We've learned about that. We talked about that. We, took, we spent a whole weekend talking about that. And those people there, man, they're walking on sunshine today because that's what a clean conscience feels like. Man, I had several people walk up, Pastor David, I just feel so light. I've just offloaded this stuff, and, and, and it's going to do it. And, and you know what? You don't have to wait for a Freedom Weekend for that to happen. You can do that in the privacy of your car driving to work. You can do it in your devotional time in the morning. You can do it in your prayers before you go to sleep. Lord, forgive me. Wash me clean. Your blood, just remove all of the effect of, of my anger and my, my frustration, my resentment. Right now, just ask you to forgive me and wash me clean. Power. So here's my personal thoughts regarding the physical body and, and keeping the temple up to speed. Let your decision regarding your physical health be something that's personal. 
I think the church, we can make a mistake by getting too much into that and dictating and, you know, and, and it just becomes kind of a judgmental situation. It was, it was interesting. So as a young man, I grew up in a church that was full of military guys. And so because I wasn't in the military, of course, I was an athlete and, and I wanted, but, you know, I loved eating donuts, man. And so I'd walk in among all these strat guys and I'd have a donut in my mouth and they're all looking at me. That was tough because you can create sometimes an atmosphere where it's kind of judgmental. So we're going to break that spirit. Justin told you we're going to have a ton of donuts here next week. <laughs> and we're going to have coffee. Now, today, what I understand, coffee is good for you. Now, it might be different tomorrow, but today, I hang my hat on that. Coffee's good, so we provide it. Hallelujah. <laughs> I heard it cleanses your liver. I'm not going to ask any more questions. I believe. All right. Okay. <laughs> so let's keep going. Once again, focusing too much on the body can set us up for pride and legalism. Yet, we should not let ourselves go either, should we? I mean, we, because we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, we, we're held accountable to ourselves. And then sometimes we need others to come alongside. I'm sitting in the front row of church one day, and a brother walks up to me. He's another fellow pastor. He was actually working with uh, some children's homes. And he walked up to me at the end of his service. He goes, hey, Pastor Dave, how you doing? I said, good. He goes, hey, look, you want to run with me, <clears throat> start running with me? I'm like, well, you know, I'm thinking, he, before I could even get out, he goes, because it looks like you could use it. <laughs> Dude, man, you just crossed into my, you know, my discomfort zone there. I'm getting ready to jack slap you. In Jesus' name, right? And I'm just kind of like, I'm not sure what to say. And he goes, so, but I was like, but now he's got me. What am I going to do? No, man, I enjoy being out of shape and apparently looking like a slug muffin to you. But I, he got me, man. And so I was like, okay, I'll meet with you. All right, I'll be there. And sure enough, I ran with him for several months, got me in shape, got me, you know, got me out. So grateful for him. I really was. And am too, even to this day, that he had enough love for me and boldness to cross over and to say, hey, look, dude, you need to get in shape. You're looking a little, little spongy, you know? <laughs> we can do that for one another without it being this, you know, now don't walk up to a stranger. Don't do that. Don't do that. But to your loved ones. You know, we can do that. We can help one another, right? Can't we? You know, Andrea does that to me all the time. So I'm going for something, and just in her loving way, you sure you want that? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But the question's already out there, right? She's, she's helping me, and, uh, but that's good. We can keep each other accountable for that. And that's good when we understand that it, what, it's motivated out of what? Love. So we're not, we shouldn't let us go. The Holy Spirit will convict you, and so will your doctor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I met with my doctor recently, and I was like, hey, look, what can I expect? I said, I'm not feeling, you know, 100%. What can I expect in the next 10 years? He goes, it ain't good. And I'm like, oh. So he shared a lot of things with me that didn't necessarily scare me, things I already knew, but it was good because he gave me truth, and he spoke into it. And so I've made some changes, and it's been good for me, and I'm happy. I'm so glad. I wish I'd done it sooner. But we should listen to those who love us and those, again, around us who, who have some truth. So life and death are in the hands of the Lord. 
So you may say, well, why shouldn't we just live the way we, why don't, why don't just live? And, and if, if life and death is in the hands of the Lord, why shouldn't I just walk around and wait for him to call my number and then just live, you know, the way I want to eat as many donuts as I want. Well, the problem is this, as a pastor shared with me, my pastor many years ago, he goes, David, that may be true, but it doesn't mean you'll necessarily enjoy the journey. In other words, if you're just living a broken down, struggling, unhealthy, you know, temple now, then you can't, what, what is that cutting you short of and what you could be doing now? Energy, focus, you know, creativity, opportunity, so many things. And so, again, this is not, you know, to condemn anyone. This is just to kind of bring it out in the open. Let's just, let's deal with the, the elephant in the room. Maybe I should say giraffe, but it, you know what I'm saying. So yes, you're going to go to heaven when God's ready for you. But in the meantime, it's best that I take care of this blessed body the best I can. We should also consider our loved ones, being there for my kids and for my wife as, as long as I possibly can. That's a good motivation too, isn't it? That I want to see, my, and I tell God that. I say, God, I want to see my grandbaby. I want to see my grandbabies. Matter of fact, I wouldn't mind seeing my grandbabies' grandbabies. I just want to be able to know that's who they are. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, if I lose it all, I can't smell, eat, or even know who I am, I'm ready to go home, baby. I mean, I understand having longevity and all, but heaven, wow. Let's get that. So eat healthy, exercise, keep your heart clean. So in other words, don't let sin bind up in your life. Don't, don't open that door because we know that sin can have just as many detrimental effects to our health, even more than food and, and exercise. I mean, because there's always that, that lady or that guy that blows all the charts out of the water. They're 110 years old, and, you know, they ate donuts all their life. And we're like, man, but don't count on it. And then let's make a turn here to finish. The Scripture tells us that by his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. What am I saying? What am I trying to share with you here? Folks, is that even though we're asking God for divine health here, it doesn't always come, does it? No, I lost half my colon. Why? I don't know why. There are people that struggle with diseases, sometimes cancers. We've had many of our loved ones that have had to experience this. We're standing with, we're praying for, asking God to heal them. And God has done it. God has healed. We've got people in this room that have experienced miracles as a result of not only medicine, but also prayer with medicine. A doctor who is worth his salt, a surgeon that is worth their salt, understands and invites people in to pray because they know it's powerful. They know it's doing something. They may not believe, but as I said, if they're worth their salt, they know the results. And if they're all about science and results, they know that's a good thing. That's pretty cool. Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and what? Healing every disease and sickness among you. James 5, is there any sick among you? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Who's going to raise them up? The Lord will do it. It's not the oil, by the way. Nothing 
Nothing special about the oil. It's just a point of contact. It's a point of faith. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That is both physical and emotional healing, by the way. So in other words, even through the confession of sin, coming out into the light as he is in the light will have an effect upon our physical body. Wow. That's kind of advanced Christianity, isn't it? That's not stuff you hear people talking about all the time, but it is a gift to us. It should be something that we enjoy, we partake of. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love the King James where it says, uh, it avails much. It produces a lot. Folks have been given one body, one opportunity to use this, this wonderful thing that we've been given. And so God says, you can keep this. So there are choices that we can make by making sure that we're not introducing ourselves to things that, that we know are detrimental, that will make the body break down. And so the, these are choices. But then on the other hand, sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes, you know, we don't do what we're supposed to do. You know, living in the South is pretty tough. Got a barbecue place just sitting right on over there. You know, up in the Northeast, it's all about donut. I mean, that's my problem. I grew up in the Midwest, you know. And so we've got these proclivities. We've got these, these cultural things. But sometimes we need God to kind of help us to kind of balance all that and begin to say, you know, what can I do to take care of this tent? But like I said, even if we are not able to, even if for some reason God is still what? Merciful, which is why he came. He didn't walk. Jesus didn't walk around the people and say, you know, you're all sick because you're a bunch of bums, terrible diets, and sinners. Ah. No, no, out of mercy. He just walked around and healed them. Didn't ask any questions. Just loved on them. That's our God. So in the light of all these things that I've just talked about, you know, that's between you and God when it comes to taking care of the tent. But when it comes to God being merciful, let's talk about that. Because he wants to be merciful. So if you've got stuff in your body, if, 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 if you have had a sickness or you're battling with that, he is merciful, and you should call upon the elders of the church. You should come and get prayer and exercise faith and have the expectation that God wants to do that. But can I lovingly challenge you this? That if God puts your, 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 uh, your tent back together, if he fixes the holes in it, if he gets your, your motorcycle fixed and it's rolling again, take care of it in every way that I've mentioned here today. Amen? We can do it. By the grace of God, we can do it. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. You've been listening to Valley's podcast. Valley Community Church is located at 1215 Julian R. Allsbrook Highway in Weldon, North Carolina. We invite you to attend one of our Sunday morning services at 830, 10, or 1130 a.m. Visit us at valleychurch.us or our Valley app for more information about our ministry.